turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. This is Derek Bukema, pastor of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, and I'm so glad that you've joined us today for Grounded and Growing in Christ here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Each weekday at this time, we open God's Word, exploring how it changes us and brings us closer to Him. Right now, we are in a message series called Something Beautiful for God, discussing what the Bible says about humanity, sexuality, marriage, and procreation. To hear all of the messages in this series, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. And if you'd like to help provide financial support for this radio ministry, you can make a gift of any size at that same website, groundedandgrowingradio.com. If you're not already a part of a local church family, then I would like to invite you to visit us at Orland Park CRC this Sunday as we gather to worship the Lord and study His Word together. To find our service times and location information, just visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. And now, let's open God's Word to see what He has for us today. Today we're going to be taking a look at Psalm 139, a well-known psalm that talks about life. We're going to be talking about a few other sections of Scripture as well. I'm going to begin by reading from Psalm 139. 139, we'll come back to it a little later in the message. We'll come back to a few other sections of Scripture. Today, we're going to be talking about a politically charged issue. And it's really important for us as Christians to talk about and to consider politically charged issues. It is so important for you and me as Christians to be able to live in the world, to have messages that deal with things that impact us deeply and personally and politically. You need to make sure that your following of the Lord Jesus doesn't just exist in between your own ears, in your own mind, or in your own emotions. Following the Lord Jesus has implications for how we live everywhere. At all times, in all places, and that means in the political and cultural realm as well, and it is so important for us to address those sorts of things. But as we talk about things that are politically charged, I think it's important for the church not to be partisan. Today, as we talk about life and life within the womb, we talk about something that, frankly, I don't think should be a partisan issue. The issue of life should be something that every person is willing to defend in every place. And so today, this message is going to be political or of political implications, but I'm not intending to be a political partisan. I'm intending to tell you something that the Bible tells you. I'm intending to to just open up for us the scriptures and talk about it. So let's take a look at what the Bible says that we might live rightly. So we're going to take a look at Psalm 139. I'm going to read the whole psalm. I'm going to be focusing specifically on verses 13 to 16, however. But at the beginning, let's hear this whole psalm, Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. 
Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in, behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. So it was nearly 50 years ago in the Supreme Court, in what was not a close decision, seven to two, where the Supreme Court determined that the American Constitution protected abortion without excessive governmental regulation or restriction. After that determination by the Supreme Court, abortion became legal in all 50 states, and it has been up to this day. Um, A president within my lifetime suggested that this Sunday be a Sunday that is dedicated to life. It's something that I did not realize when I was planning out this sermon series, but it is a, a, a blessed coincidence, I guess. And we know that God is in control. And so churches across the U.S. today and some a week from today are going to take time to remember the cause of the life of the unborn to remember those who have so few protections in our world, in our society. According to one website, Worldometers, which uh, tabulates statistics on population, economics, media, environment, food, water, and health, last year saw more than 42 million abortions worldwide. It was by far the leading cause of death in the world last year. It dwarfed communicable diseases, which was the second leading cause of death, 13 million died from communicable diseases last year, dwarfed by the number dead to abortion. The World Health Organization says that, about every, that every year there are an estimated 40 to 50 million abortions. Just within the United States of America, on average, 137 babies, again, on average, are killed each hour through abortion, which means 
on average in the course of this worship service that 137 souls will die on average because of this institution. We tend to use sanitized language whenever we talk about abortion. The pregnancy was terminated or there was an abortion performed. And this sanitized language obscures a lot of the terrible reality that within this country, there are people killing children. And each year there are many, 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 many political and cultural and media and even church leaders that defend the practice of killing children. And in many ways, the church has been complicit. People within the church, the church herself, and at those times, you and I, the church, needs to repent. And I hope a few things are clear at the outset of all of this. Throughout the course of this message, I'm going to seek to use straightforward language. None of us as Christians are helped by using overmuch euphemism or, or shielding our own selves, our hearts, or our consciences from the frank realities of the life in which we live. I'm going to use straightforward language. But I want to make something clear as I uh, talk about that. I don't use straightforward language to try to shame any person. But I want to make things as clear as possible. And I know that there are people here who are present in person, who are with us on the live stream, who have vastly different ideologies and perspectives. You need to know that within this church, we believe that the Bible is our sole final authority. And so we are seeking in this message, as in all messages, to submit ourselves to the authority of Scripture. As I bring a message today, I'm not going to try to give you my thoughts on a particular issue. I'm going to try to say what it is that the scriptures say after the scriptures say it. And so that means that if you're watching, you need to understand that that is the perspective that that we always come from as a congregation. We want to understand what the Bible says and put ourselves in submission to what it is that the scriptures say. We want to live in accordance with what the Bible says. And that means that sometimes it's a hard word for our culture. It's a hard word if you have a different ideology. But we want to hear what it is that the Bible has to say. And again, not to shame or harm any person, but so that we might learn from it and live rightly by it. And that if need be, that we might repent and be saved and be redeemed. And so what we're going to do is seek to talk about what the Bible says about life. And I'd ask you to consider it. I'd ask you to consider it. Think about what's said today. Think about what the Bible says. Think about what it might mean. And so we're going to work our way through different passages that talk about life in the womb in the scriptures. And then we'll talk about, frankly, about what abortion is is given what the Bible says about life, and we'll talk about ways that the church is culpable, and we'll conclude with a word of hope. So let's start. What does the Bible say about when life begins? Well, the Bible makes it clear that the person inside of the womb is, in fact, a person, is a human person. I want to draw your attention to a few places in the scriptures in particular. I just read Psalm 139. Let's Turn our attention to verses 13 to 16 again of Psalm 139. Those words will be on the screen for us, and you can also turn there with me in your Bibles. Let me just read these beautiful verses again. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depth of the earth. 
your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. Psalm 139 verses 13 to 16 tells us about a loving, caring God who crafts and forms a masterpiece. That as the child is developing inside of the womb, God cares and cares deeply for that child. The Lord God is described as active, and now we understand that this is poetry, right? So, so it's not describing the scientific process of how a, children, a child grows to, uh, to being fully developed in the womb and then is birthed, but we're told in this poetic language about the reality of God's care for the one who is inside of the womb. As we read these words, we read about God knowing the psalmist while he was yet unformed, about him being made in secret in a place invisible to human eyes. The use of personal pronouns here in these verses indicate that there was a person present before birth. R.C. Sproul notes, Scripture assumes a continuity of life before the time of birth to after the time of birth. The same language and the same personal pronouns are used indiscriminately for life inside the womb and outside of the womb. That's true as the Lord God works in care and love to form that child inside the womb, we see that that is a person spoken of with personal pronouns. You've been listening to today's message from Pastor Derek Bukema. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, listen to past programs, and to give a gift to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. And while you're there, please sign up to download your free copy of the ebook, Answering Seven Hard Questions That Christians Ask. Again, that's groundedandgrowingradio.com. And now more from Pastor Derek in our series called Something Beautiful for God, discussing humanity, sexuality, marriage, and procreation. All right, let's take a look at another section of Scripture. You can turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 5 tells us about the call that Jeremiah received. What we're told is now the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. This verse, these sets of verses again, tell us about the personhood of Jeremiah while he was yet in the womb. In fact, as God uh, determined the course of his life, he ordained Jeremiah for that task. He called them, him to that task while he was still inside of his mama. As he was growing there inside of the womb, the Lord God put his call on Jeremiah and says, you are going to grow up to be a prophet. So this call, again, goes to a person, someone who is existing inside of the womb, but is no less a person because of his location as he was, as he was growing, and as he became a prophet. I want to direct your attention also to Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is another psalm of David, and this one is tougher for us because it tells us about our need for a savior, which is good. It's good to be reminded of that. Psalm 51 says this, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out all my transgressions, wash away my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. 
For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you. You only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Okay, so this is not so fun. It's a reminder that you are sinful from the moment that you are conceived. It means that when you're in the womb, you're not free from sin. You know, one of the things that there's been great rejoicing about in my family is that my sister is pregnant and is expecting twins, twin girls. But even in the womb, those twin girls need Jesus because there's a couple of sinners in there right now who need to be redeemed by the Lord God. Now, some people could say, how can you say that about a little child? Well, I can say that because I have two children and I know that they are sinful from birth, from the time they were conceived, right? And I'm not just saying it about my kids. I'm saying it about you. You need Jesus. It doesn't matter how old or how young you are. There's no point at which you start needing Jesus. What David says here, David, the, the great king of Israel, he says, okay, from that moment where I became a person, When I was conceived, at that very moment, I was sinful already. Ooh, that's tough. That's tough, right? It's a reminder of how much we need to be redeemed. And that's what Psalm 51 is about, is about the need for David to be redeemed. And and we must say the same. That from the very moment where you become a person, that very moment of conception, you are a sinner who is culpable for sin. You are need Jesus. Let me draw your attention to one more place in scripture. Luke chapter 1 verses 39 to 45. A section of scripture that's always just really beautiful. We just came through the Christmas season. This is a time you might have read about this during your own Christmas celebrations. Luke 1 39 to 45. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. So here we see that John, who is in the womb of Elizabeth, recognizes, just as at the greeting of Mary, recognizes Jesus in the womb of of Mary. It's a beautiful moment, right? This is a moment that is, that is just filled with joy because Elizabeth recognizes what's taking place and says, what a blessing. Ah, you're the mother of my Lord. You're the mother of my Lord. Elizabeth recognizes not just you're going to be the mother of my Lord, not just that the Lord is going to come to earth, but even in the recognition of John, the the future baptizer, even in the recognition of the child in Mary's womb, there is rejoicing because the Lord has come to earth. There's a recognition of the personhood both of John, who is growing inside of Elizabeth, and of Jesus, who is growing inside of Mary. All of this tells us, in many different places, 
that the human being is a person from the time of conception. That the human being is a person at fertilization. John Frame, in his book, Medical Ethics, says this, there is nothing in scripture that even remotely suggests that the unborn child is anything less than a human person from the moment of conception. Here, conception is meant to imply the time of fertilization. This can be determined through taking a look at the world and understanding the world as God has made it to be as well. The life of any individual person in a species always begins at conception. The life of any individual being in any different species always begins at conception. This is when a genetically new and genetically complete person comes into existence. You get all of your genetic code at the moment of your conception. According to Dr. Peter Kraft, this was a truism in every single biological textbook until Roe v. Wade in 1972 or 1973, and in no biology textbook since, because they don't want to address politically charged issues unless that textbook is written explicitly by Christians for use in Christian schools, despite the fact that there has been no new biological discovery that would lead us to believe before 1973 that life begins at conception and would lead us to believe after it that life doesn't begin at conception. The only thing that happened was a declaration from the Supreme Court, a court that's not not scientists, they're not theologians, they're a bunch of lawyers or judges that just determined to, oh, I don't want to get into that. But before 1973, before Roe v. Wade, every single, every single textbook said that life begins at conception and since, they just don't touch it. It's just not something that they talk about. By faith, by science, by reason, we should understand that the human inside of a mother is a person, and therefore to kill it is to kill a human being. Therefore, the difficult, the difficult truth, they are killing children. There's a location here in Orland Park. Its name is Planned Parenthood, another sanitized name. And in that location, they refer women to places where they can kill their child. These are the most vulnerable within our society. Children, not yet born, without any capacity to speak up for themselves or defend themselves. And these are killed by the tens of thousands, the hundreds of thousands, by the millions within our country. This is an atrocity. This is a holocaust. And there is, there's a biblical category for this. And the biblical category is child sacrifice. In the Old Testament, there was a false god named Molech a particularly detestable false deity because Molech demanded child sacrifice. And the pagan nations surrounding Israel would sacrifice their children to Molech. And sometimes the people of Israel would be caught up in this false worship and do the same. And throughout the Old Testament, there are references that are just all over the place. Let me read to you. Leviticus 18.21, you shall not give any of your children to offer them to Molech and so profane the name of your God, for I am the Lord. 
Deuteronomy 12:31. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. For every abominable thing that the Lord hates, they have done for their gods. For they even burn their sons and daughters in the fire to their gods. Ezekiel 16, 20 to 21. And you took your sons and your daughters whom you had borne to me, and these you sacrificed to them to be devoured. Were your whoring so small a matter that you slaughtered my children and delivered them up as an offering by fire to them? I don't know about you, but as a child, when I would read these sorts of things in the Bible, I always wondered, how could they? Christian, you do something that is very good when you advocate for life, when you care about the unborn, when you support those and encourage those who are in the midst of all of that to choose life. You do something beautiful and blessed when you do that. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. And let me also speak to every and any woman or man who is here or watching right now, who right now has had their heart sink because they know that at one time in their life they pressured their girlfriend or they were young and scared and went and killed their child. Let me just remind you that to every person here for whom that is the case, for every person here this morning, every person watching this morning, Christ Jesus comes to you And at the cross, he offers his body for you. He shed his blood for you to pay for all of your sins. He died for you. And he rose again and defeated death for you. So that all who come to him and confess their sin and say, I don't want that to characterize me anymore. He says, you are my child. You are forgiven. And so let me conclude with a word of hope and tell you to run to Jesus today and find forgiveness, hope, healing, and life. Life. Life now and forevermore. You've been listening to today's message from Pastor Derek Bukema. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, listen to past programs, and to give a gift to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. And while you're there, please sign up to download your free copy of the ebook, Answering Seven Hard Questions That Christians Ask. Again, that's groundedandgrowingradio.com. This is Pastor Derek Bukema, and on behalf of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, we want to thank you for your support and partnership in proclaiming the gospel here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. If you're looking for a local church to call home, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday. You can find all the details online at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Thanks again for joining us, and until next time, may God bless you.